When we're young, we move with freedom and confidence, with a great resilience to injury. But somewhere along the line, we develop poor habits and become more vulnerable to back pain. Back Pain Solutions features evidence-based and practical advice to help you take back control of your health and get back to the activities you love. This is your guide to better back health through movement. So join us as we demystify some of the commonly held beliefs about back pain and build your confidence to a stronger back the smart way. Okay, welcome back to the Back Pain Solutions podcast, everybody with me, Ben James, and as always, my co-host, Jacob Stain. Today, we're talking about the deadlift and why, how that is important for our overall back health, how it's applicable to back health, but also, as always, how it's relevant to activities of daily living, or is it relevant to activities of daily living, and also, is it performed effectively? As always, head over to the www.smartstrong.co.uk website, take advantage of our free ebook to take back control of your back pain within seven days. A lot of content there to help you to start to take control of your back health and empower you to get back to the activities that you love. So Jacob, morning, the deadlift. Is it as relevant for people with regards to activities of daily living compared to the squat? Yeah, good morning, Ben. In my opinion, it's not as applicable. It's not as important. And I think it has its place, sure. but it's it's something that if you learn to do it properly, will definitely enhance your movement throughout the day. Uh, certain things that you do, especially when you carry and pick up heavy stuff. But it's, I'd say that the squat takes the first place in having to be able to do that properly. Yeah, and what about, I guess, modified deadlift in a way? Because we talk a lot about the, the golfer's lift, for example. In some respects, that's a similar kind of movement pattern, but it's it's not two legs, it's it's on one. So it's a similar idea that we're trying to rotate, I guess, over the, the hip joints and keep that back straight. That's fundamentally the the importance here in terms of technique that we're looking for. Yes, and it's good that you mentioned that. I think it's it comes back to that understanding of what do I do with my body when I pick something up? Uh, whether it's something small and I use a golfer's lift on one leg, whether I have to be whether I go for a, a very strong base with two feet on the floor and I, I really crank up all the power throughout my uh, my legs and my core and I, I brace and I protect my spine, I pick something up heavy. But it's, it's that understanding of, like you say, hinging around or about the hip joint. Yeah, exactly. And so whilst the, the deadlift specifically as a, as a movement pattern, as an exercise might not be as relevant as that isolated movement, should we say, as, a, as activities of daily living, the, the exercise and us talking through the exercise still has relevance to activities of daily living. Like we say, in terms of modifying it for the, for the golfer's lift and you're lifting something light off the ground, you might be just uh, rotating over that one, one hip to keep that back straight and be able to lift off the floor. So there's still relevance in terms of the deadlift being applicable for activities of daily living but it's certainly the case that you're not going to be doing that specific movement regularly for picking shopping up off the floor or um, gardening, for example, because there are other movements such as the squat that, that are more relevant and more f efficient to do that. It's fair to say. Yes. And, you know, I, I think when you look at the deadlift, 
you have to consider that you're you're really taking the hip joint in terms of range of motion to its max. And so you want to you want to understand what you're doing so that you don't compromise other structures of the body. Yeah. And for a lot of people if you if you've not specifically looked up that that movement pattern you know the body is going to try and find a, a different way it's going to it's going to find an easier way to get to the floor or to to make a similar movement but it's not going to look up that full range of motion in the hip joint and i think that when we look at the squat we're a little bit more upright you know where where we share we're giving a little bit more work to the knees so the the distribution of the the power uh, is is better. It's it's more. It's better distributed. Whereas with the deadlift, you like I just said, you you really have to be able to crank up, you know, a lot of power in the core, and you got to look at your position. And I think for as we're going to discuss later, for a lot of people, anatomically, this is there's already a small issue there. Yeah, we'll discuss that. Yeah, in terms of the, the hip range of motion and um, and where we're lifting that weight from. Exactly. Yeah, no. So I, I think let's talk about the, the deadlift in terms of an exercise for, for strength, endurance, you know, in terms of in the gym. Because it's one of those movements that, that is, again, often executed by a lot of people, but so often executed badly. And, and it does take more technical skill than the squat. Uh, in order to uh, execute it effectively and safely. But it is fair to say, I'm sure you agreed, Jacob, in the gym where you are, you see people, again, flexing through that lower back, not keeping that back straight, and the obvious impact that has, as discussed you know, previously, in terms of the line of drive of those muscles resisting that shear force. So what we're saying there is the muscles in the back help to pull the vertebrae backwards if that back is kept straight. So they kind of work at about a 45 degree angle. If we're flexing through the spine, that's not the case and we get more compression. And this is one of the big problems we see. With the exactly. And I, I think, you know, that that's usually our main focus is to make sure that we protect the spine. So, you know, we're big on, we don't want to bend through the spine, whether it's uh, extending or flexing through the spine. We don't want to create any movement there. But... For a lot of people, if you're starting out doing this, or maybe you've been doing it for a while, but you're not so aware of your movement, it's it's a, it's an issue of maybe something else, like you just mentioned. I would very the very first thing I would usually do is establish what the hip joints are capable of giving you in terms of range of motion. So if we know that that is you know that that's a problem, then we're not necessarily going to deadlift from the ground. And we're going to discuss that later as well. But I want to mention that you have to first understand whether your hip range of motion is allowing you to pull from the ground. And if that is, and you're still not doing it properly, then quite often something along the chain is not supporting the movement. And so you're you're failing in the movement. Because it's a, it's a big chain, similar to the squat. I mean, you're from the, from the feet all the way through the core, shoulders, you know, into what into what you're holding or trying to pull off the ground. Yeah. So again, what we're saying is you've got to you've got to establish a bit of a baseline in terms of that range of motion in the hips, 
can you can you lift effectively from the ground you know do your hips give you the range of motion that are required to be able to lift that that weight that bar from the ground and if they do and if you've had uh, the hip screen hip scour to establish that range of motion and actually the depth is there to allow you to do so but you're still struggling or you're still struggling with that form then somewhere else in that chain there's a problem is basically what you're saying there. exactly exactly and i and i think a lot of people don't realize it they they try to correct the back you know the back won't be corrected because maybe the glutes are not supporting the whole movement especially when you start adding weight to it so now you know you need all those links in the chain to be really supporting this movement really stabilizing whether it's not allowing the knees to drop in or it's um uh you know whether it's your quads allowing uh more force to go through the knees so you you have to uh be open to maybe work more on the glutes maybe work more on your core maybe work more on your upper back where you're collapsing and yeah so again it's looking at breaking down this 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 movement this exercise and establishing those points in the chain that could be worked on or, or be a focus for you in isolation if required exactly so before we jump in and, and break that down because we'll, we'll do that in a moment for the people listening again from a hip range of motion point of view it's difficult sometimes to to self-establish that range of motion is it a good idea therefore that anybody that is concerned has back problems and is is doing a deadlift type movement to start with the weight slightly off the ground there's not going to be any negative effects of of lifting that weight slightly even if that range of motion ultimately is there is that a good baseline to start with that's that's great that you asked that ben yes uh it's uh for me it's there's not really a negotiation we always start not on the ground we always have a higher platform and then we can also whether it's a, a structural or a functional uh block that's in the way you know starting high means that when we slowly progress down towards the floor when the form breaks down we know okay we don't just stay above that and we we make sure that the form stays good and as soon as the body and the mind especially the ne neurology figures out how to move properly how to stabilize we progress a little bit further towards the floor and that, that's just a very safe way of protecting the spine staying within the form you know and and building more strength yeah absolutely absolutely makes sense yeah. so let's break this down let's break the deadlift down into those different parts those important parts so that we can really look to isolate elements of this movement if required just to optimize our overall movement ultimately so as always jacob we talk about this this chain and the connection between the shoulders and the hips lats important chest important again it's it's making sure that that co-contraction is there throughout this chain to support this movement effectively and not focusing in on one area such as the glutes to the detriment of other other areas and other aspects of this movement exactly i think with a deadlift you you have to consider it you know you have to consider how you approach it in other words, not from the point where you pull it off the ground, but how do you set yourself up to pull it off the ground? 
You know, so it's all about that setup. So that the initial setup is very important. If that's not good to start with, it's a good there's a very there's a small chance you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna perform a good deadlift. So you have to think about how do I get into my position? Right? Get get into my position, I set my back, and what am I gonna use to drive this? Where's my, my line of drive? Where's my face uh, my, my chest facing? And so if we look at the biomechanics, then we get into a position, we grip the bar, and the very first thing is we, we, that we do is we, we think about how we create stability in the trunk. Okay. Yeah. So we're talking about that, that link, the lats, chest in that instance, or, or would you start, if you were coaching somebody, would you start with, with the feet? and planting those feet and making sure that that grip is effective on the bar, for it, first of all. Where would you start in terms of breaking it down? Yeah, very good question. So, you know, I, 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 first of all, I want somebody to, to have a solid base with their feet. Uh, this is, you know, we have to establish that the feet have to be facing the right direction, usually pointing in the direction of the knees. No collapsing feet, if possible. You know, otherwise, we're... Well, I, I don't feel comfortable progressing to a heavier weight, really. So we want to... And sorry, just jumping in, yeah. would, what, are you, what are your thoughts on doing, certainly initially, if it, whether it's an athlete and we're kind of stripping it back and trying to make improvements or whether it's someone starting out, what are your thoughts on doing it barefoot, a deadlift, first of all, in terms of just trying to support that, that development in the feet, even if that takes some time? Fantastic. I mean... Great, because you you can see so much happening when somebody's doing this bare feet, especially because they're pulling something off the ground. And I, you know, like really pulling it back. And I quite often get golfers or tennis players, and sometimes I'm quite shocked to see how little connection they have with with the floor uh, in their, uh, you know, from their feet, especially with the t- Especially the uh, the toes are completely sometimes not even touching the floor, and I uh, wow okay. And I suppose yeah. that comes from playing with I don't know. I think golf shoes are quite quite stiff, and maybe tennis. Some tennis players, you know, they're not really connecting with their toes. They're maybe running more on the ball of their feet. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's something that you know. Sometimes I peel it right back and. We work with that. But if somebody has connection, I can see that the toes are active, you know, the, the, the arch is the strong arch lifted off the ground, feet are pointing in the right direction, and we've got that connection with the knees. The knees are really, really strong uh, in the chain. Then I would go to creating that trunk stability. Yeah, so really we're looking for those feet to be well-planted, and stable first of all and and if is there a good kind of baseline test people could do in terms of a balance just to self-assess their their foot stability because again you know this is something that f- from a personal point of view with ankle sprains and over the years and footballing injuries that was a real problem for me it took a lot of work to build up the the stability in the feet and it's a work in progress this is kind of a for me yeah. it's a lifelong um, habit that I need to develop. It's a it's a lifestyle choice to to ensure that those feet are strong in the long term. 
So this is an ever-progressive um, focus for me. But I can still right. perform a deadlift effectively because I know how to help stabilize those feet and, and all the other areas in the chain are, are, are well-established, if that makes sense. But for people starting out, what's a good kind of self-assessment? And, and if, if they fail that, should they avoid this movement? Yeah, another good question. So I would start with bare feet on a, a wooden floor or a hard surface. Have a little have a mirror in front of you and just face the mirror, especially with your feet. Have your feet kind of facing straight forward, so not pointing out. Some people will naturally like really point the feet out, but let them face forward. And then you shift your weight onto one foot, bend the knee a little bit, stand on one foot and just... Have a look in the mirror what your foot is doing. You know, how stable is that foot? Does it drop in? Does the knee pull in? Uh, or do you have a lot of, you know, is the arch picked up, picked up off the ground? Are you stable, strong? Do you have some toe spread? You know, what's your big toe doing? Is it, is it kind of going straight uh, along with the bone that comes from the ankle? Or is it really pointing outwards? Do we have a hollux valgus there? And so... If that's good, then I would progress to maybe seeing how stable you are you on one foot when you do, for example, a hip airplane. Or you can, if you don't know this exercise, you can take with the opposite side a kettlebell in your hand and just do a small hip hinge through the hip with this kettlebell lowering it to the floor and see how stable you stay on that on the other side's foot. You know, are you dropping your knee in? Is your foot collapsing? Are you raising your toes off the floor? So really we want to progress this. You know, I'm, I'm just giving a small example here. There's a, there's a natural progression of exercises that you build up. But we want to see, I mean, eventually we want to get to a foot that's really stable and strong, even if you're on one leg. And then you know that you're really ready to progress to a deadlift and getting the most out of that base if you want to call it that. Yeah, absolutely. Because like you say, that if if that foot's going to drop in or if there's no stability there or a lack of stability, then the risk is that your your knee can drop in. That's going to affect your hip. Then those muscles that we want to be firing and to be controlling this movement are not optimally fired and therefore there's there's a risk in terms of back injury because we know how important all those muscles in the chain are in supporting supporting the low back yeah so we've established that the feet there's a there's a bit of a, a test that people can do in terms of establishing their their foot stability so foot stability is good we've got a good alignment of the knee we're happy that the knee is where we want it to be and that again is dictated by the feet then moving up the chain jacob with regards to this movement Next up, we're looking at the, the hips and activation of those muscles around, around the hips. Yes. So I like to explain to people, you know, have the feeling when you lower your body, when you lower the, 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 the bum to the floor, you bend your knees, have the feeling like you're spreading your bum cheeks. And that's how you, you really get tension in the glutes and in the hamstring. You know, so you feel that tension when you lower yourself into the position where you're going to grip the bar on the floor. And 
Now we're assuming that you can actually get into the position where the bar is on the floor. Otherwise, we, we're going to have you raise the bar. So you're going to put uh, blocks underneath the, the weights. Yeah. And if you're starting out, maybe just consider that as your first option. You can always progress later on, but it just does help ensure that you're not trying to push too much or flex too much uh, at the end range of that movement through the low back. And I, I would say if our recommendation is if you start out deadlifting, absolutely do not pull off the floor. You know, un un unless you're coming from Eastern Europe or somewhere where you've got naturally very uh, a very big range of motion in your hips, then my suggestion is just start off a higher point and slowly, gradually move it down. And so we're getting into that position where spreading the bum cheeks and we're now gripping, we're having our arms on, on the outsides of our knees and we're gripping the bar. And from this point, we have to activate, we have to activate that trunk stability. So we're going to look at compression and we're going to look at um, bracing. So pressure and creating pressure in the abdomen and creating that compression between the shoulder blades and the hips. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and yeah, now go for it, Ben. No, I was just going to say, and in terms of the the activation of, of those muscles, we've got we've to cons give consideration for... Um, the impact that, that poor technique can have from the from the ground up, and we talked about this on a on a previous podcast with Doctor Splitkel from over in the, U, uh, the US. Um, if those muscles are not firing correctly, then ultimately that core cannot activate as we want to see it activate. So all of these different elements are are hugely important. So it's it's not to be underestimated how important these different parts are in the in the whole of this this movement so jacob we talk there about the the core activation and even at this stage this is something that people often fail on you you, you may have the strong feet you may have the the knees aligned the hips aligned and then there's flexion through the back or those core muscles just aren't aren't being activated exactly and you know it could be that you're not very aware of what you have to do. And I find that's quite often the problem because if you would start deadlifting from a young age and you develop a strategy and you reinforce that and you do it on a regular basis, then I can imagine you develop a really good technique. But most of us don't have that opportunity. We, we sit on a chair, we do other things, we relax, we don't pick so many things up off the floor anymore. Definitely not heavy things. And so now we're throwing, thrown into a situation where we've got to, you know, we've got to think about so many things, the things we just mentioned. And we have to be able to create this compression and this, uh, you know, the, the bracing effect. So we'll go for very first off the bracing effect. And that's where we, we put the thumb in the mouth, we breathe out. We don't let any air escape and we feel how the abdomen just blows up. But at the same time, we create compression because the muscles are pushing back. And so we really stiffen the core, right? 
And the next step is where we activate the pecs and the lats. So we create this compression between the shoulders and the hip joint, or at least the, the, the pelvis. And so now we're, we're stiffening the whole spine. But we want to do this in the neutral spine position. And so we, we assume that somebody's established uh, very well what the neutral spine is when they stand. But obviously we're lowering ourselves down now, and we're in that squat position quite deep. But we want to maintain that neutral spine, which means we have a, a shallow hollowing in the low back and a shallow rounding in the upper back, together with the compression and the pressure we're creating. Absolutely. And, and once we get into that position, we're, 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 our feet are well planted. We've, we've got our back braced. We've got our back in neutral. We've activated the lats, the pecs. We're gripping the bar. The grip is also important. Often people can just let that bar sit in their fingers. They don't really activate those in, intrinsic muscles of the hand itself to really grip that bar. This is something that, again, is, is often a bit of an energy leak. I find with with people is that they're not really gripping through the hand and then wrapping those fingers around to get a really effective grip on the bar. Is that something that you find as well, Jacob, with with your patients or your uh, the people you're training? Yes, 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 absolutely. And my my cue usually is, look, I want you to really grip the bar because if you do that, you'll also feel the shoulder turning on. And we know that if you grip really hard. In, and create a lot of uh, strength and pressure in your forearm that you actually turn on the small muscles in the shoulder. You stabilize that shoulder blade. And so that's the connection between the bar and my core as the connection. And do you, sorry, Jacob, do you, do you ever advise people to kind of almost try and rotate the hands externally as well on the bar a little bit to, to, to activate the lats and, and, and chest? A little sometimes people as a as a bit of a, a hint or suggestion find that that helps them focus on those muscles a little bit i find yes i i i use the word or that's what i got from mcgill you know i just tell people i want you to bend the bar sure yeah, yeah. you know and yeah, if yeah. you bend the bar so you're rotating the hand out then you're activating the lat that's a, a natural occurrence the only thing is that a lot of people who start out you know, with this movement, it, it's it's a, it's a little bit far for them to yeah. to already because we're still creating and establishing a feeling between you know a connection between the brain and the lats. So quite often people come from okay, I've not been using this part of my body at all, and now I have to I have to bend the bar. You know, it's so it's step by step we we get there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's it's almost walking through these different steps before even lifting the bar and just repeating them. So that kind of motor pattern of of following through these different steps is established before you even lift the bar off the floor. There's nothing um, wrong with, with taking a slow progression through this movement exactly. and, and not lifting weight at all. Just establish these different steps effectively. Because when you come to lift the weight, A, you're going to do it safely, but you're also going to find that you establish a very good technique in the first case and, and progression will be far more efficient afterwards and you're not trying to f uh, resolve faulty patterns and you're certainly not going to be trying to work around or re rehabilitate pain and injury. So yeah. as with anything, it, you know, 
it's small progressions rather than just a big leap. And that that's the problem. Fundamentally, people don't break this movement down. They just say, well, I'm going to do a deadlift today because I know I've seen other people in the gym do it or I know it's good for these muscles, so I'm just going to do it. But not doing it properly, A, is not efficient, effective for the muscles you're trying to train. But obviously, as discussed, and the reason for us discussing this um, movement during this episode is it, it fundamentally is a big risk for for back injuries so we've we've talked about the grip strength jacob we've talked about um establishing an effective grip on the bar we're we're down in that squat position if we're starting out we've got that bar or certainly the weight just lift lifted off the floor at the point of execution one of the things that i've seen is people almost extend through the legs and what i mean by that is through the knee first of all and they lose a bit of power there rather than it going through the glutes initially is that something that you've seen as well because that again is a is an opportunity for an energy leak i find in this movement yeah that's that's a great point that's what you typically see people do in the beginning they they want to leave they, they want to tap into where they've got the most power first and so the weak part of the chain will be left to do the work last and so, like you say, somebody's got the bar, and instead of standing up and taking the bar with them in one movement, their first movement is actually raising the hips, and then yes. they raise the chest. And so what we're doing now is we're, we're extending the knees, we're giving the work to most likely, what is the case with a lot of most people, is, is the dominant quads or quads that are, quads that are doing most of the work usually, instead of sharing the work with the glutes where we've got this extension through the hips and that means pushing the chest up and standing up in a normal fashion so um so that that's a typical problem what happens there is you're obviously you're extending the knees you're pushing the hips up into the air and now you're creating this massive fulcrum at the hips so you're giving a lot more work to the low back and this is quite often where the low back fails. So we, we, we've, we tend to lose the neutral spine then. We start flexing through the low back, we drop the shoulders, and then we extend through the hips. Yes, yes. And that faulty pattern there is, is the cause of the problem. We've, uh, we've established a great base, we've established a good grip, we've raised the weights off the floor, and then that slight incorrect execution by extending at the knees first of all loses a lot of power and creates yeah. a, a lot of risk and and ultimately leads to a lot of people losing that neutral spine which is where the where the problem occurs exactly and i i want to say one more thing then i the thing that we have to remember here is we we have a limited capacity for what we would call coordination and so the coordination of the movement let's say we have 100 percent capacity for the coordination and if we ask somebody to do bracing of the spine or brace, you know, bracing to protect the spine uh, standing up without raising the hips first making sure that you stay firm on the ground so the more things we add to, 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 the, to, to perform the movement for someone who's just starting out the more we have to spread that 
limited capacity of coordination, of coordinating all these movements, all these things that we are supposed to do. So that's what I want to say about the progression. So the starting out with the movement, I usually get people to focus on getting their knees and feet lined up and starting to, to feel the movement through the hips, of course with good form, and making sure that they keep the neutral spine. So those are already enough for people to start out with. If you add too many things, you spread it too thin, people will not be able to execute all those things at the same time. And then later you add on more things to to the technique to make it even better. Yeah, and the same rule applies with you know, with it, the, those athletes that maybe have had a problem and have lifted heavy weights before, then you know, scale it right back. Let's get the technique right, and then let's build up because it's going to be just so yes. much more beneficial, effective, and yes. safe in doing that. Because it is a very complex exercise, like you say, with with a lot of different steps, and and perform any one of those poorly or inadequately, and and there is huge risk there, particularly with with the weights that you often see and um, people attempting to lift in the gym. You know, it, it, it makes you cringe sometimes because there's you can just see that flexion. And and that that's also, again, back to the steps that you talk about, Jacob. And it's not just about getting up into that straight back standing position. We've got to get the weight back down again. And again, that's another area where that, that brace and that neutral spine is often lost. So you could have great technique all the way up and on the way down, it's poor again. And and often you see the loss of lat pec activation on the way down. People get lazy on the on the downward movement and kind of almost drop that weight to the floor. And that's again another another problem. Yeah. So this 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 bracing and all these steps have to be controlled and that stiffness has to be applied throughout the movement, even after that weight's dropped to the floor, and you then stand upright without even holding the bar at the end. So it just just shows how important it is to focus in on each of those parts of the sequence to to effectively execute safely for sure. Exactly, and and you know there are many variations of the deadlift. You know, we once you get good at performing the technique and you get confident, we can go to picking it up. When you're in a top position, you you let it go. If you're in a CrossFit gym and you're able to drop the weight, then you drop it completely without taking it back to the floor. So then you you protect the spine, you stay safe, you go back to the floor, you you make sure you get into a good setup and then you pick it up again. But if, like what you say, Ben, if you have to put it down, you know, then it's, like you say, equally important to make sure that you actually do the reverse of standing up but maintaining the whole chain and, you know, working with your breath, keeping that pressure in the abdomen until you've put it down. And, uh, you know, there's also the normal deadlift. There's what we would call a powerlifting deadlift. So there we actually have the hips higher than what we would do when we do a... Uh, uh, so we have a... That's the powerlifting deadlift. Uh, different to when we have a weightlifting deadlift because weightlifters, they're much more upright because they're ready for that explosive movement when they, they want to get the bar onto their shoulders or over their head. And then we've got... One of my favorites, just because I, I do have the hip mobility to do it very well and I, I enjoy the effect of what it does for me, is the, the sumo deadlift. And if you're strong enough in that position where you have the feet and the knees really open, 
you're able to get deeper. If your hips allow you, you're able to get deeper and so you have a much more upright chest and so you don't have that shearing effect between the vertebrae and the spine. And so, yeah, I, I just think that's a, that's a great variation of the deadlift. Yeah, absolutely. Like you say, it, it, it's an exercise that is, um, dare I say it, flexible in terms of how it can be performed or there's different variations of the exercise that can be so beneficial in targeting some of these key muscles that are so fundamentally important to supporting back stability. But start with a straightforward deadlift first, break it down. Don't be afraid to progress slowly through those different steps so that you're performing each really well because if you do that like we say you don't get the energy leak you don't get the risk to back health but your progression and your ability to lift weight will be much much more efficient and you'll be able to lift more weight quicker by doing it properly and you'll know that you're doing it safely and it's all about keeping that stiffness throughout this chain if you're to able to execute it properly so jacob anything else you want to add on the deadlift there. I think it's clear that if you've never done this exercise before, it really is about taking it through those different sequences rather than trying to just focus on executing the whole uh, exercise in one go. Yeah, what I what I want to add, Ben, is I want to say use blocks. You know, even uh, when you're able to get to the floor, don't always pull off the floor. That's been my experience with a lot of people with a lot of patients and people that I give personal training to myself you know we we want to we want to work spine sparingly and using blocks is just such a good way to use the same muscles get that workout getting strong in the position doing something that's actually really good for your spine because you know we know if we lift weight we get that axial compression you know we, we're strengthening the spine if we do it properly we use blocks is my suggestion and always start high with the blocks and then peel the onion down gradually yeah make that make that progression slowly like you say and a great point about with respect to the the exercise and putting weight on the spine because we know too little is has a deleterious effect on the back and we know too much uh, has the same impact so it's finding that balance and this is a great exercise if performed effectively that will really help support overall spine health so there you have it guys the deadlift a number of different parts of the sequence of that exercise that you need to consider but if you focus on them all and you progress slowly it can be a great exercise for your spine health so jacob thank you very much thanks everyone for listening as always please head over to itunes give us a rating there helps to provide feedback for us helps to get the show out to a wider audience so that we can continue to help people get back to the activities they love by empowering them to work through their back pain and resolve back pain issues. As always, thank you again, and we'll catch you again on the next show.